Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. JJ Williams into the 25 it Williams kicks it on this could be a try Williams has scored that little chip through by Gareth Edwards really caught the Springbok defence by surprise Williams got his boot as he chipped ahead kicked it through the bounce went his way and JJ Williams has put the line welcome to this week's attacking scrum podcast no international fixtures this weekend, but no shortage of drama when it comes to the national team. Byron Hayward has been relieved of his duties or has left via mutual consent, as the headlines said. And uh, that, as you can imagine, is going to dominate proceedings this week week's episode and uh, of course we will be previewing the game next week and seeing what this uh, well what this reshuffling the coaches is going to mean for the, the national side and I'm delighted to say joining me to do that is our very own Dan Killick how are you Dan? Yeah very good Jed big big day didn't quite expect to have that news on a on a Sunday week before the the cup starts well, that's a bit of a shock. That's it, isn't it? The timing is absolutely huge. I think it's, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna get stuck into this, and we've got loads of questions around it. But uh, we're always big on timing, aren't we, in Wales? Wow. We always get it right. It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very much a return to the kind of nineteen ninety five. Let's have three uh, head coaches in the lead up to the World Cup type stuff, isn't it? I mean, this is this is absolutely huge because the only play, you know, the first competitive game that. Byron Hayward was involved with as a coach was in February and here we are yeah he's, he's only played in, he's only featured in one tournament albeit over over seven months it's uh it's astonishing yes it's, it is astonishing yeah I mean you know there we make a little bit of a mock on the timing but was it you know was it that bad that obviously it was I suppose that um you know he needed to be relieved of his duties or well, he wanted to go. Who knows? But um, you know, there seems to be a bit of a, a bit of a theme, doesn't there? With uh, you know, coming to a mutual agreement, you know, between the WRU and and the coach or or employee involved. You look at 
Ryan Jones, Sam Warburton, and now and now Hayward. So, yeah, I, I think unusual this, time. Yeah, but I think this is different to those ones. I really do. I think that you know Sam was involved as a consultant, so. You know, as I said on a previous pod, that to me felt like it was perhaps a cost-saving exercise where they went, right, we're paying someone who's hugely experienced as a player, wonderful player, but is perhaps not that experienced as a coach and we're probably paying a fair amount of money for him. I just got the feeling that that was a cost-saving exercise and they brought in Gethin to replace him because I don't think he would have commanded as as big a salary. Ryan Jones, okay, again, could could well be seen as a cost-saving exercise, but he was in that role for a fairly long period of time. Byron Hayward has been there for, as we said, five games and gone. That, to me, smacks of the appointment was wrong from the outset. And I would just be keen to know whether this is the WRU saying, Pivot, you've got to freshen up your freshen up your, your squad, uh, sorry, your, your roster of coaches, or this is Pivak saying, right, I need to do something drastic. Sorry, Byron, you've been a loyal servant, but you're gone. Yeah, I agree with you that it probably is different to... You know, looked like a, a, a PNL exercise, didn't it? With 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 Warburton and and Ryan mm. Jones, but both of them to go. Then Hayward, you do start to think, hang on a minute, what's going on? You know, what's going on there? Maybe, but yeah, Hayward's a very very odd one, isn't it? At this time, because Pivak knows him really well. Mm. It's not like you know that's the most staggering thing about this. It's not like um, he was already there. You know, he was appointed by you know by Pivak. He was is one of his top guys, so all very, very strange. I think there's a lot more to come out of this. That's the thing that I think reflects really, really badly on this is one way or the other, the the appointment was wrong. If you've gone after five games, it, it really, I think you can almost say that it, it looks worse on Pivak or the WRU, whoever's made this decision, that it does on Byron Hayward. Because, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it, it has been a horror show defensively. But at the same time, he could always turn around and say, look, I haven't had time to implement the systems. It hasn't worked. And what you... Whereas yeah. whereas if you, you know, after five games, if he's getting the sack, then you have to say, right, Pivak, you either appointed the wrong man or, um, you know, or, or maybe he's not the, the right man at all. You know, it's uh, it's all pretty drastic stuff. It is very drastic, yeah, and that's a good point you make. I think you know, it could be a he could come out of this looking looking all right. I mean, the pressure I would say is even more um, heaped onto onto Pivak now, isn't it? And yeah, that's a massive call to release him. You could understand him going after this yeah. this cup. I think that would you know that would have been you know fair game then really if things hadn't started to change. But if we look back at the last game. Line speed was a lot better, wasn't it? Defense was 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 a lot better. I think there's a lot more going wrong um, than going right at the moment, and you know that does seem to, as we as we spoke about last week, you've got to look at the you've got to look at the very top and other aspects as well, haven't you? So yes, I think um, this is only the beginning. I think really. Yeah, I think you uh, you might well be right. Should we dive in some listeners' questions? Yeah, yeah, let's go. Right, first one is from Rob Thomas. Do people seriously think Sean Edwards will return? Everything you read about him says that he's a man of principle and he's on a four-year contract and I reckon he'll honour it. Dan, any chance for Sean Edwards' return? No, can't see it at all. I think the opportunity was there, wasn't it? We we, we didn't take it as as a number of other um teams, you know, didn't really, did they? He was he was linked to a lot of a, a lot of clubs. 
Um, and now he's over in France. He's he's working wonders, isn't he? As we all knew he would. Speaking the language, and yeah, I just can't see him. He, I reckon he'll love his time over there, and he'll be he'll be lauded as he is in as he is in Wales. So I just can't see that happening at all. Absolutely agree with you. The interesting though, I've seen this mentioned quite a lot. You know, obviously a lot of people I think have been quick to quick to suggest Sean Edwards coming back. I don't really think it's got anything to do with him being a a man of principle or, or anything like that. I just think actually, do you know what? He's in a better job. What you, why would he leave a job with France to come and uh, to come and try and save a sinking ship at Wales? You know, he's he's given twelve years of service to Wales, done a wonderful job. Uh, you know, will always be remembered fondly here. But if you were Sean Edwards, would you go? And furthermore, if you were the WRU, you do not have the money to buy him out of that contract. There is, you know, very, very little chance of him coming. If we're talking at the top of the show about Sam Warburton being relieved of his duties as a coaching consultant, Ryan Jones being moved on, potentially, we have to say that potentially as cost-saving exercises, there's no way you're going to be able to buy a man out of a, out of a three years into his contract, you know, with three years left on his contract. No, there's there's no chances there. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out with him coming back, him coming back to Wales after the four years stint, depending on what shape, what shape Wales are in. We all know that he's, you know, he loved his mm. time in Wales and he loved his people. But I do think that time was that time, and I think he'll, you know, he'll move on to 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 other things after that. And you know, if you were advising him, you'd have to, you'd have to say the same, wouldn't you, Jed? If you were advising, you know, Sean Edwards as to if he called you up and said, "Look, I'm, I'm, you know, what, what should I do?" You'd say absolutely stay put. So yeah, I can't see him. He'll, he'll enjoy his time there, and um, I think he'll turn this French side into a uh, a very, very decent outfit. I think they're genuine World Cup contenders on home soil in uh, in a few years' time. I really do. They've got the most phenomenal crop of youngsters, and with him, it's exciting for them. Isn't it, it is, and with him on board, I think that just really does add a level of professionalism and discipline and structure that they're going to need in order to challenge for major honours you know for a long time France have been have been out of sorts you and I remember watching rugby as, as kids when France were you know winning the winning grand slams winning six nations five nations getting to world cup finals we've not seen that for for quite some time and they've they've got the opportunity to turn all that around I cannot see Sean Edwards passing that up just because of the fact that that he had a you know a very good time working with Wales, don't don't see that at all for me. No, okay, we're both on the same the same hymn sheet there. Then right, let's move on. This one's from Patrick. It says, "Do you see Pivak being in charge this time next year?" I personally don't, uh, as uh, results going awry, uh, and those who appointed him are no longer in a position to support him, which is a really good point. And uh, yeah, new chairman and CEO uh, will not want to be tainted with their with an association of failure. Some really good points in there, Dan. Will Pivak be there this time next year? The way things are going at the moment, you'd have to say no. And it's difficult to. Well, I'd, I'd like to hear. I'd like to hear some strong arguments for for a yes, if there are any. You've got to look at the form we're in, or lack of, and these these appointments. Uh, sorry, the appointments that have been made were. You know, were Pivak's appointments weren't they? You mm-hmm. know, Byron Edwards a, a a coach he knows exceptionally well, and you know he's gone now. So at the moment, it's not looking good for for Pivak. I hope I hope it's not the case that he is uh, 
he is going to be moved on. But at the moment, you, you, you'd have to think that would uh, that looks extremely likely. I think the other thing in there, and it, it's tied, we've said it before, it's tied to what we were saying just a moment ago, the financial pressure that the WIU are on, they can't afford to have a losing side for very long. It has been, you know, Welsh rugby is top down in terms of the financing. So much resource goes into the the national Wales side and so much money is generated through the, the Wales national side. That's why we see so many blooming internationals. So they can't afford for this to be the case. That we also know it's it's pretty well publicised that there is a break clause in his contract after two years. I, I just don't see there, you know, time is not on his side. He needs to steady the ship during the autumn and needs to, and, and if he's able to do that and secure time for the Six Nations, then he needs to have a damn good Six Nations too. So performances have got to change immediately and results have got to change pretty damn quickly. Yeah, so he's, he's, he's under so much pressure now, isn't he? So, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fascinating uh, Amazon Cup for us, isn't it? <laughs> Amazon Cup. Uh, I think, Dan, you'll find the official name is the Autumn Nations Cup or as uh, as my mate Ollie, uh, as he, who you know, says it should be called the COVID Cup, which uh, which I think is probably uh, is probably about right actually. But yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be the Amazon the Cup. Amazon Cup. Uh, <laughs> have you figured out how to get Amazon on your telly yet? Of course not. <laughs> I'll be calling. I'll be calling you. I IT and tech support. This should be yeah. This should be great. You need to get that sorted. I think next week's game is on Channel Four, so you'll be all right for that one. But the remainder yeah. of them. No, I have. Uh, I, I am actually okay on it because I've got it set up for the. I use it for the little ones, so or they, they'll be able to get it on. For I was going to say they've set that up for We're you. They're being three they, and five years yeah. old. <laughs> way, way better than me. Quite right too. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's stick with uh, let's just stick with with what we were saying there. This one's from Ted Powell. How long do you give Wayne Pivak if he has a poor autumn series and another shock in Six Nations? Will he be out? I know we've touched on a lot of that there. Will he will he get a Six Nations Dan? Or is he going to be gone by Christmas? For me, it's on the performance. If we start seeing some, uh, if we start seeing some performances, and we did, I know we touched on this last week, but I'll, but I'll mention it again. If we start to see some 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 tries being scored, because we've got to remember that Byron Hayward's gone on the defensive side, but we have we have not looked like uh, going fifty yards, have we? Let alone scoring a try. I mean, we've 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 offered nothing, absolutely nothing. So. Got to build a few performances, start seeing something, uh, something akin to a game plan, um, you know, either side of the ball. And if that happens, then, you know, maybe he'll uh, he'll be given some, he'll be he'll be given an extra bit of time. But I I think that at the moment, even the performances would have to be very very good for him to be given that extra that extra time. If we've just got performances and no and no results then the performances would have to be off the charts. But then you'd expect if they're off the charts, we're going to win. So he's in a very, very difficult position for me. You've mentioned some really interesting points there as well about the fact that, yeah, we don't look like scoring any tries. We don't look like going three phases without getting turned over at the moment. And we can't go any, we're not building any phases. We're not building anything at all. No, we're not at all. And that's the really interesting thing for me is, yes, the defence has been bad. I I thought it was very bad against France. It's not been particularly good the entire time. But if you were just pulling the trigger based on the worst aspects of the game, then I think generally, you know, the the forwards have been uh, have been way, way short of, of the pace. 
Now, I I'm not for one moment suggesting that they should get rid of John Humphreys. I don't think that's the right move. But do you think it's harsh on Haywood picking up the picking up the, the can for this, if you like, or was he was he the wrong appointment in the first place? Yeah, I do think it's harsh on... It does seem particularly harsh on Hayward, doesn't it? Um, I know a number of people have talked about Humphreys as well um, because the forwards have, the forwards have looked not, not at the races. And then people talking about Pivak as well, haven't you, as the, as the, as the top guy. Um, it does seem a bit unfair on him, really, don't, don't, don't you think? At, at this at this point, I do, and that part of me almost thinks that doesn't maybe sit right. it doesn't no, sit too right. It, it doesn't, and part of me wonders whether this is you know this is Pivak's decision above above the WRU's because he is sat in such a precarious situation that he's had to say thanks for all the good times, Byron, but I need to, I need to do something drastic. So I don't know, you know, I don't know that. I'm just speculating, but the real danger is is that so many areas of the game are going wrong that either you get rid of all the coaches or, more to the point, the head coach looks vulnerable because he's the one who appointed him. That's his coaching team. And if you're not getting any of the any of the facets of the game right, he's the one who ultimately is responsible for that. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very, very worrying move, I think, about it. And it says, it says a lot about the state that, that we're in as a side at the moment. It just seems a little smooth, doesn't it, that... You know, mutual mutual agreement. You can ignore mutual agreement. Um, it never, it, you know, it never. That's not a thing. It's just management it, speak, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, and yeah, be, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in, in in those conversations, but it does look as if he's 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 taking one for the team here, doesn't it? At least give him, at least give him the uh, the next run of games and see what happens from there. And as we said, we did see there was an improvement in the. Uh, in the in the last game, so there's a few other there was there was a a lot of other areas of play that that there was no improvement at all. So yeah, tough uh, tough call on him. But maybe he's um, maybe he wanted to be out of there as well. I don't know. It's it's uh, it's very very tricky. I don't think that unless there is something going on outside of rugby, it doesn't feel like the kind of job you would walk away from five games in. And say what you like about Byron Hayward, he's not uh, he's not short of some mental determination. You know, we know what he was like as a player. We know how he's kind of forged his career as a coach. We know about his boxing exploits. You know, he's not the kind of guy to to shy away from a uh, to shy away from a challenge. So I don't know. No, but if the you know if the if the players number mm. of the players were against you know against the setup, the regime, and it was all very very toxic. Sometimes it can be enough, can't it, for yeah. for a coach to you know, for a coach to say, "Look, I, I just don't, I just don't need, I don't need this. I don't want it." If that, if um, that is the case, Dan, and we touched on this a little bit last week, if that is the case, does just getting rid of Byron Hayward solve those problems? No, it doesn't. That's where it doesn't. There's got to be something more at play than, you know. Do you think? Do you think moving Byron Hayward on will will, will solve? You know, will completely change change our uh, our fortunes? I mean, mm, I mean, it, it's hard. It's hard to see yeah. that at the moment, really, and it's a big ask because Gethin Jenkins is essentially going to pick up those duties, and it's a big ask of a guy who's a very inexperienced coach. It's not as if it is a Sean Edwards type coming in, you know, with with decades worth of defence coach experience under your belt. Gethin Jenkins is one of the best players to have ever played for Wales. You know, the the finest loose head in the 
in the professional era, but this is a big, big ask on him. And I, I hope he's able to, to make a big difference, but it's a, it's a tall order and, and asking an awful lot. And I'm not, you know, I'm not saying Hayward was the right appointment. I'm not sure it ever was, but I, I think you, you needed someone with more international experience, particularly where you'd had Sean Edwards for such a long period of time. So, I don't see this being the answer to the problems. And as we said, there are a number of other areas that we've got to get right first. We've got, we've got to win some ball. We've got, to, we've got to sort our set piece out. We've got to vaguely look like we can get some points on the board. Yeah, it could. It could I, I, I do feel that it could add, add to our issues, actually. I mean, you know, getting, as you said, Gethin Jenkins, absolutely you know, world-class player, exceptional player. But you've got to learn, you've got to learn your trade, haven't you? And I think there's very, very few coaches that become, you know, it was Warren Gatland, a, a, you know, a different coach after, you know, after 10 years than he was in year one. Of course he was, you know, and, and you sort of learn, you learn your way around, don't you? Mm. And you're, you're very, very different. Well, he's having to, he's basically having to become a coach at, at international level. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a massive ask, gain more pressure more pressure on I know well I dare say he'll probably you know relish the opportunity because it will be quite exciting but it's just more pressure on that top position that that which which Pivak's holding and um, you know we've got a lot of cracks there at the moment haven't we we certainly do and we're going to carry on talking about this and actually we're going to hone in on Gethin Jenkins a little bit more because we've got some more questions that have come in on that we're also going to go ahead and preview the game that takes place next week against Ireland and uh, see what what hope we have, if any, for a good autumn campaign in the uh, the Amazon Cup or whatever you'd, uh, you'd like to call it. So we've got all of that coming up. But first, we're going to have this very quick break. saying there Dan that uh, yeah Gethin Jenkins got a big big task ahead of him and this question's coming from Gary Mason with Gethin Jenkins most likely to lead the defence are we now likely to see a return to the Edwards style structure that Jenkins played a huge role in over the years hopefully more time will be tack- uh, will be allocated to the tackle area that's a really interesting point actually as someone who has been coached for so many years and was so influential in the Sean Edwards style system is Gethin Jenkins just going to say, right, revert to type? Really interesting, based on what we were saying just before the break. Yeah, I think we will go. We will go, you know, back to back to that style. I would have thought, but equally, we don't quite know what style was what style we were playing under uh, under Hayward, do we? Really, that's that's we've pointed this out a number of times. It's difficult to see what we were doing, but. I think we're going to have to go back to go back to basics, and that Sean Edwards is the is the master of that, isn't he? He says it himself. He, t- he makes it very very easy for people to understand, is all you know to understand, and everyone knows their their role. And yes, Gethin Jenkins has played under him, been coached by him for a lot of his a lot of his career, isn't he? So I think undoubtedly he would have been influenced massively by Sean Edwards. So. 
yeah, I'd expect that to happen if, though, he's allowed to do that. And that, you know, that's that's what we we're not we're not able to, we're not privy to that. Are we? we don't know what's how he's how he's allowed to coach. We're not, and the same the same for the same for Byron. But at the same time, Gethin Jenkins isn't going to be told what he can and can't do. If anyone was going to walk away from a job because he didn't feel he was given enough freedom and enough authority, I think that would be Gethin Jenkins. Yeah, you'd 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 think that, wouldn't you? But again, it's you know, he's he's got a a great position, isn't he, at as an international coach? And so sometimes you can find yourself changing a little bit to the person to the person he is because he he's not. It's not like he's walking in as 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 Gatland or Edwards with you know one numerous um, you know numerous cups and. And trophies and titles, he's he's going to be treading water a little bit, isn't he? Although he can't really show it. I mean, the one the, the great thing about it is that he's he's going to be well respected, isn't he, as a player? But I do think that's very very different as a coach. It's true. I mean, he will he will know the the vast majority of that of, the, of that squad. I know he's been retired for a few years now, but yeah, there's going to be a lot of players in there he's played with: Tipperick, Alan Wynne Jones, uh, you know the. Samson Lee, the the props, John Davis, Lee Halfpenny, all these players he knows inside out, and I don't I don't know whether that's a, an advantage or or a disadvantage because you then have to get a different version of respect, don't you? You have to get the respect as a coach rather than as a player, where you can actually afford to be, you know, to be someone's mate. And that said, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't think he's that I don't think he's that kind of character. I don't think he'd take any kind of any kind of messing, but I, yeah, I, it's a, it's going to be a, yeah, it's going to be fascinating, but it's a, it's tricky. It's really difficult to, to earn your, to earn your stripes and learn your trade at international level that, you know, it's not like he's doing this at, at Cardiff Blues. He's doing it at the, at the highest level where the glare of not only the national press is on you, but the international press really. Yeah. The thing is with him as well as a player, obviously he was, you know, known as being fairly uncompromising and 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 quite grumpy and you know melancholic then to use one of your one of your favorite words um but actually a lot of the players will know what the real Gethin mm. Jenkins is like won't they and the the sort of the funny side to him and so i i think it's a really difficult position for him um and i do think that you know I do reckon he's going to he's going to be a great coach, but you almost need sort of you know three or four years, don't you? Just sort of quietly under the radar, nursing away at a, at a coaching mm. role, just building, just quietly building, and taking yourself away from the player that you were to actually becoming the coach. And you know we all know what a great player, but it's now starting people to start talking about him as a coach. This is you know we're all talking about him as a player because that's all we can do. Mm. We can only talk about him as a player. Yeah, I mean, and, he's, he's, yeah, he has some coaching experience, doesn't he? But at, at Premiership level, so it's again a, a completely different, uh, a completely different kettle of fish going to regional and yeah, and, and after it's that, like international is you know another planet, really. You know, it's it's sort of Parks rugby, though, isn't it? Compared to you know, compared to where we you know where we are now at this level, yeah. and so yeah, difficult, difficult, difficult position for him, an exciting one though, but. I do think it's just so perplexing when you think of, you know, when you think of, when you think of Gatland, you think of Edwards, mm. yeah, and and to a degree, uh, obviously on a far lesser scale. But when you had 
you have Pip, you have Pivac, you sort of you can you can think of mm. think of Hayward, can't yeah. you? So because you need you need that support because people will people will question um, at time you know times in in Gatlin's career players or people would have questioned things behind the scene and you know Sean Edwards would have here and just literally stamped them out and vice versa you have to have somebody having your back because there's too many players too many characters too many there's too many variables in there that you have to have someone having your back the whole time or giving you a heads up to say look you need to have a chat with so and so it's you know they're they're uh, you know they're a little bit off center at the moment and he he would have been one of his lieutenants so it, it's just odd very very odd yeah I, that's a really interesting point the other thing i think with moving from being a player to a coach i don't think it's as simple to say well he was excellent at fulfilling sean edwards's style of defense you know and he played under sean edwards therefore he's going to be able to bring that level of organization as a coach because it, it doesn't always work out that way you know roy Keane played under Alex Ferguson and under Brian Clough, but he was a largely useless manager. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean you're going to inherit these things just, just because you're a, you're an excellent player. Now, again, it's, it's a, it's a crude analogy. And I think, I think Gethin Jenkins has everything it takes to be a great coach. But what I'm saying is I don't think it's that simple to just make that transition least of all at, at the, the top level of the game. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I think the massive, something that hasn't been talked about with, um, with this coaching setup is if we look at Sean Edwards as the person then, so take out the the defensive, defensive guru, but he knew what made everybody tick, mm. didn't he? Yeah. He, ha- he has, he has a very, very high emotional intelligence, which I think is absolutely key. Maybe, you know, maybe more important almost than, than his, than his defensive strategies really. Cause they're, you know, they are basic, but he knows what make what makes people tick. Mm. He gives them a system and they listen and then he works on them individually. And what works for one doesn't work for others. But because he goes to people individually, he then gets that collective win. And I think that Stephen Jones is going to have a, 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 such an important role now on this on this coaching setup. If if we're going to need to see a, so much more from Stephen Jones working with the players, because there's um, that's what they're going to need, aren't they? We we said it last week. They looked they looked sad. This kind of this says that what we discussed last week is probably right. We can't say definite, but there's obviously uh, a rift in the camp mm. and someone needs to get in there and, and really sort that out. Yeah, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Let's move on. Take this one from Matt Armstrong. Could Wales even afford to bring in a top level defence coach or given other factors, uh, COVID and the coaching team's contract situation, would that stand in the way you know, so even even if we wanted to bring in a long term, top quality defence coach, would Wales be in a position to do it? I think financially, it would. The books would say no, mm. but I think we would. I think we'll. I think we'll have to, Joe. Uh, if 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 there's if there's a top quality defensive coach out there that that shows interest and that we we think can can make a massive difference then yeah i think we'll have to we'll have to spend the money because we need to spend the money to then make money don't we yeah we do it's uh it's, it's a difficult position for us to be in but i don't really see there being an, uh, another option i don't think we can not take on uh another another defensive uh coach yeah i mean look, i think the first thing is this is a an audition for gethin jenkins and if he does a good job i think he'll get i think he'll get the 
the gig full time. But it also, as we said, you know, it, it piles the pressure. Would you give him the gig if it go if it goes well? The thing for me is I genuinely like a head coach to pick his own coaching team. And that's something that I'm not entirely sure. You know, you can't imagine Gatland ever coaching. And I know we keep going going back to Gatland, but of course we're going to. Can you imagine Gatland not appointing his own coaching staff? Can you imagine Eddie Jones not appointing his own coaching staff? I just I just don't see that happening. I am No, they they wouldn't have it. No, they wouldn't. And that's my that's my problem is I think you need uh, a head honcho who's calling the shots with his coaching team around him, everyone's singing off the same hymn sheet, and no one and no one's going to step out of line. And this to me just feels like a uh, like you said like a, a like there must be a split in the camp. I don't if not a split in the camp, we know that it, this appointment has not been right, and that is and that's a really worrying thing. But look, if he gets it, if he gets it right, then I think you do I think you do stick with him. That doesn't necessarily mean that Wayne Pivak is gonna is gonna be around there too if if results carry on in this vein. Yeah, that's also where will you know Kevin Jenkins might be would obviously be given the he's he's taking on the taking on the role now, hasn't he? Um if we're to take on I don't think we will take on a a defensive coach for for a fair few games because the WIU will be looking at Pivak. Mm. And, you know, if, Piv- if Pivak goes, then, as you pointed out, the whoever the head coach is is going to want to bring in their own their own defensive coach or at least have a have a uh, heavy influence over it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so I think we'll be we'll be in a we'll be in a bit of a sort of quasi position now for a for a period of time to see how things play out. Yeah, no, I think you might well be right there. Let's take this one from the wonderfully named Diego von Albatross. The new laws That's a brilliant name, <laughs> isn't it? The new laws at the breakdown actually make the game more stop starty than it was before due to attacking players being penalised for holding on. The whole point was to make the game flow. Discuss. It's a really good point, isn't it? And a really good name. It does seem to be that way at the moment, doesn't it? That the games are very staccato, very stop-start. But then I think a big part of it is linked to the referees. Mm. Certain referees will let the game let the games run and and ref the ref the breakdown slightly differently. And others are really, really struggling, struggling with it. And we're seeing a a poor form of rugby. Then, mm. what's your? I'm intrigued to get your take on this. Actually, yeah, I have found it. Do you know what I found more frustrating, Dan, is actually the amount of penalties that are given for not rolling away. And that's one area that I didn't think there was much of a problem with before, because if someone was pinned in there but wasn't interfering with the ball, you would, you know, most referees would be able to use a degree of empathy and say, can't move, okay, the ball, you know, the uh, scrum half, play the ball. And I've seen more and more now penalties getting given for players who are caught on the wrong side but there is absolutely nothing they can do about it they're not really interfering with the game and that that makes it stop start the other area of the game that drives me mad and it's on the flip side and it it does mean the game flows but perhaps not in the most attractive way is just ball retention from players flying in off their feet and driving and driving people who have stood five yards past the ruck you know again watched uh watched the Ospreys Leinster today and you know, Leinster, Leinster recycle the ball really, really quickly. But this certainly helps it. The fact that you have players kind of flying in and and clearing out in a way that, uh, in a way that, that only the Irish sides do. Uh, well, and and New Zealand, I would argue. <laughs> but it's 
I don't know. For me, for me, that's a much more dangerous part of the game. And I also think that that is that's an area that that you should be getting to because it just I don't know it just it produces. Look, Leinster are a brilliant side. They're an absolutely brilliant side, and they've got some wonderful players behind the scrum as well. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just looking at it because Leinster are too good, and I'm bored of watching them win all the time. And I'm, I was bored of watching Saracens win before that, and I'll be bored of watching Exeter fairly soon as well. But it's I don't know. That area for me is just something that that needs to to get clamped down on. So I've no problem with players getting pinged for for holding on too soon because that does mean you get less one-sided games where the big powerful sides but the way the 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 laws have actually been put into place I don't think it's panning out that way. Well would you would you change it? Yeah, I th- I think it's I think again it just comes down to that interpretation, doesn't it? I I want to see less penalties given for players not rolling away who can't do anything about it and I would and I want to see more players penalised for flying in off their feet flying in from the side and stuff that's genuinely dangerous and I think that would that would make for would make for for better games and uh, you know uh, it's, it's no slight on how brilliant Leinster are and if you did change those if you did change those rules Leinster would adapt and would find a way yeah, of, would. and would find a yeah. way of winning because they have an abundance of talent they've got a brilliant coaching setup and they're you know they're incredibly well financed to keep producing this kind of talent so they they would react to it so it's not a slight on Leinster it's a slight on the fact that that kind of rugby i think is yeah just just uh isn't isn't my uh isn't my bag really and it ties in with this one Dan which has come in from Indy and it says, how refreshing was it to see Australia versus New Zealand attacking ball in hand from most breakdowns instead of the continuous box kicking that we see in the Northern Hemisphere? Yeah, I haven't actually seen, I haven't actually seen that game, but I've read a bit about it and yeah, I mean, the, uh, the games don't even compare today to what we're, what we're watching over here at the moment. Did you did you actually catch it? You no, know I didn't. No, I don't have uh, need, I don't I have Sky to. at the moment, so I'd had, I haven't seen that one. But uh, yeah, a a an amazing result. B, it's uh, you know my thoughts on box kicking. I just think it's the scourge of the game. It really is. It's just it's so boring. And you know the the constant caterpillar rocks. It's I understand why the players do it. You've got to do it. And you know I'd be arguing next week that Wales have got to do it and do it well. But it's just so boring. It's you're never going to you know you need you need the kind of rugby you know I've seen the I've seen the tries and stuff from the Australia New Zealand game you need that kind of rugby that kind of excitement the end to end stuff played at a fast tempo that's what's going to win you uh, is going to win new fans and I know people might be sat there saying well why are we constantly chasing new fans why are we always talking about growing the game oh it's all about money well yeah it kind of is but at the same time you know money is desperately needed in sport to make sure there is a sport for us in uh, in a year's time yet alone in 10 years time so i think it's really really important and you know the box kick i think i think is a real real problem it's just uh it does, it's yeah a killer. You, yeah it's you've, been, you've been killer. talking about the, the part of the box kicking being like a pain drive for a long time haven't you and i do think it's a massive point actually about making the games more enjoyable and and trying to appeal to a new audience because even even the most sort of hardened rugby fans are are saying that it's a really really tough watch a lot of the games we're having to watch at the moment mm. and then yeah that that usually in australia game people are raving about it and yeah you watch the tries and you can understand you can understand why can't you it's that this their skill levels are, are far higher aren't they they're keeping the ball mm. in play and i think it's easier to coach it's easier to coach the box 
you know the box kick isn't it and go for go for territory force you know force an error and and and, and go for um positional plays but it's so exciting isn't it to watch the the games where we're running we're running with ball you know ball in hand so i think it's a good point you make there about making the making the game a, a more a more sort of a better spectacle to watch then because yeah. some of these games at the moment are tough <laughs> Yeah, and again, yeah, that, again apologies, apologies, apologies to uh, apologies to everyone who was hoping to hear a a midweek regional focus podcast. But yeah, as I say, it was a mixture of work commitments and the fact that I couldn't bring myself to to relive the the regional rugby that was on display last week. It was it, they were all really tough watches. You were pro- you were practicing your box kick, you know, the fields, <laughs> Guildford. <really. laughs> That's right. Okay, let's take this one from Matt Summers. Last question. Let's wrap up the show with this. How much more important did John Fox become? played under both Pivak and Edwards and will be absolutely key in Wales' defence for the next bank of games. Uh, what do you make of that one, Dan? How important is John Fox, uh, particularly from a defensive point of view? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's massively important, isn't he? And has been, has been our defensive captain for, you know, for a long time. I think he's working his way back in, isn't he? In terms of fitness and getting used to, you know, getting used to uh, the tempo and game speed, but it's an interesting point made there about how you know, obviously played has played under Pivac, knows Pivac so well. Um, as you know, as as a lot of that group has, that's the that's the other sort of really interesting point mm. that a lot of the a lot of the Welsh team know Pivac, don't they? Yet there still seems to be something completely awry with the players, a real disconnect. And that's what gives me, um, uh, it's worrying, isn't it? But yeah, he's got a, you know, he's got a massive, um, a massive role to play and he does it, he does it superbly well, doesn't he? In that 13, in that 13 channel. Um, but I think that there's, there's a, there's a lot more we need to get, we need to get right all over, all over the park. Yeah, there is 100%. And uh, let's finish by getting a prediction from you, Dan. Will Wales be able to correct these things? What kind of a performance are we going to see? And ultimately, will Wales win their game against Ireland next week? I can't see us beating beating Ireland on, on Friday night, but there should be a performance, shouldn't there, of sorts. You know, we, we've, lost, we've lost a coach. You'd expect there to be a a reaction of sorts. I, I just don't know whether it's going to come. Though. I actually think it's one of the worst fixtures that Wales could have had next after such a disappointing six nations to have to go back to Ireland and fans or no fans. We know how hard it is to be Ireland in Dublin. And this is This is going to be a massively difficult challenge. I just think that the things that we've highlighted, the fact that we're getting done in the contact area, that's the last team you want to go and face is, you know, the, the massive, massive great pack who generally get very quick ball. It's, it's going to be hugely difficult. I can't see a, I can't see a win, if I'm honest. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I can't Without see a defence coach. Well, yeah, well, with well, with with Catherine doing the job, but yeah, it's uh, it's very very difficult. I don't know. I mean, you almost feel like they're going to have to try something completely different. And when we do have the ball, we're almost just going to have to try and go from everywhere. Um, you know, <laughs> it's. Um, I know. I, I just, well, I just think, yeah. like, you know, we're, 
there's no point. There's no point trucking it well, up and trying to play job, structure because it? it's not working. You know, you might just sling it around. Just get, just try, just try and go out and score four tries in the first half and see what happens. I don't know. I, I just think I, again, it's a flippant statement, but I just feel that if we go there and try and play a structure game against Ireland when we haven't been able to string to string three phases together, uh, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, I, I, well, I mean, I think that we we're going to have to we're going to bizarrely we're going to have to keep it um, as 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 tight as, as as tight as we can do because of the we haven't shown any sort of any sort mm. of intent at all on the attacking front. So it's almost more of a risk, I think. Bizarrely, oh, no, than, it is it is more of a risk, and I'm you know I'm being you know, slightly facetious, but it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, but it, yeah, you, you, can't, yeah. you can't carry on in the vein that, that it has been. There has to be a clear game plan, and and if you if you are playing the kicking game and you're kicking all the time from nine, your wingers have got to be absolutely on point, and that kick chase has to be superb, and you have to get the territory because otherwise they are they are going to have a field day. Yeah, they are. It's difficult to know what tactics to to employ against them, isn't it? They're going to be they're going to be um, really looking forward to to this game aren't they and I, I think we're going to need our, our senior players really to lead mm. you know to lead this uh, lead this Welsh performance really and, and massively step up uh, you know every every single one of them for us to for us to put in any sort of a, a performance at all so yeah it's going to be I'm intrigued to see how this uh, how this game goes um but it just makes you think, doesn't it? When you start talking about the game, then on Friday, what a what a you know what a bizarre uh, state we find ourselves in with uh, with a, with less than a week to go. Yeah. It's just so strange. Yeah, but there we are. Just when you thought twenty twenty couldn't get any weirder, it's uh, yeah. I suppose the one thing you can always rely on is that Welsh rugby will throw in these curveballs. Well, anyway, I hope all of that has cheered you up. Uh, I know it's not been the most positive, but do you know we had some fantastic feedback from uh, from listeners uh, about last week's show. So thanks everyone who got in touch, and uh, we really appreciate that kind of feedback. And I know it's difficult when uh, when Wales are playing this badly, but again, that's kind of. Uh, you know, I, that's that's why we kind of think it's uh, it's important to do these ones because uh, yeah, it can't all be uh, it can't all be champagne rugby. But uh, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for for sticking with us through the uh, through the tough times as well. But yeah, if you if you haven't had a chance to go back and listen to the to the Scotland one, I promise it's not as painful as uh, uh, as it sounds. But with any luck, we'll be completely wrong, and Wales will serve up a, a feast of amazing rugby, and we can all get very very excited again next week. But whatever happens, we will be here next week. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And always uh, a final thanks to our sponsors at So Coffee Trades. If you want to support a young Welsh business uh, during these strange times and get some amazing quality coffee, you can do that at socoffeetrades.co.uk. We'll be back next week. Podcast Network.